Hey everybody, this is Keith Loy. I'm the founding senior pastor of Celebrate Church in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, and this is our podcast. I just want to say thank you for joining us, and it is my prayer that this week's message will truly encourage you. Enjoy. There's a Catholic elementary school that in their lunch line, kids were walking through the lunch line and they came to a tray of apples. And there in a note that was written by one of the adults said, only take one, God is watching. A little ways down the line, there's a whole big plate of chocolate chip cookies. And a clever elementary school student had written a handwritten note that said, take all you want, God's watching the apples. Last week, Pastor Keith led us in understanding the importance of having a vision, having a vision in your life, a dream in your life. The question is, how much do you want? God wants you and I to have a dream. He has a dream and vision for us. Man, how much do you want? Take it all. That's what he has for you. And if you haven't seen it, I encourage you, go back and watch it. Absolutely powerful. Here are some of the key things he mentioned from last week's message. You have to hope to cope. You have to choose Christ above critics. You have to trust and obey. Clarity is crucial. He asked Bartimaeus, the blind man, what do you want me to do for you? You have to believe and achieve, and then you have to stay with Jesus on the road that he travels. Great stuff. It's so important. I'm, and I'm so grateful for Pastor Keith and his teaching and the things that he does every week to teach us. And, and I'm very humble that he's allowed me today to kind of tie into that a different question. So you have a dream. You have a, a vision. Here's the question we're going to ask about today. What do you do when your dream dies? You had a dream. You had a vision for an area of your life, and, and it's dead. Maybe you had a dream to have a business, and it never took off, or maybe it went under. Maybe you had a career, a dream of a career, and, and thought you were on a road, and it never materialized. Maybe you had a dream to have a child, and for whatever reason, you couldn't have a child, or you had a child, and you lost the child. Maybe your dream was in a relationship, Maybe marriage, and that's no longer there anymore. You know, it's hard to say that children have dreams, adults have nightmares. <laughs> but the reality is this, what do you do when you have a dream, but it is dead when it dies? We're going to look at a story in the Old Testament, if you want to open up your Bibles, to 1 Samuel 15. 1 Samuel 15, we're going to look at the last couple of verses of 15, and then the first verse of 16. Let me tell you kind of the story up to the point of where we're going to read it. It's really two players, okay? Samuel. Samuel is a prophet. He's a prophet of Israel. Great guy. God is using him in great ways. Then there's Saul. Saul is the first king of Israel. The people wanted a king. God said, are you sure? Okay. Well, here's your man then. And Samuel anoints Saul as king, but not just anoint him as king. He became his mentor. He started to mentor Saul, spent a lot of time with Saul. I mean, there became a tremendous relationship there, almost in some ways like a father-son relationship. And, and Saul had great success. As long as he was listening to Samuel, obeying God, he had great success. But unfortunately, life uh, doesn't always go the way that God would like it because we choose our own way. And Saul chose his own way. He chose not to listen to God, not to listen to Samuel. So where we're going to pick up the story is that that, that Saul was given very specific instructions on something. He not only disobeyed it, but he ignored Samuel as well. So both God and Samuel. Verse 34, it says this. Then Samuel went to Ramah, 
But Saul went up to his house at Gibbeth of Saul. And Samuel did not see Saul again until the day of his death. For Samuel grieved over Saul. Other versions say Samuel mourned over Saul. And the Lord regretted that he had made Saul king over Israel. What do you do when your dream dies? You know, people officially die when their heart stops beating. But the reality is this, people actually die when their dream stops beating. You know the verse, where there is no vision, people perish. perish. Absolutely. You know, the, the heart might keep beating, but it's just existing. It's an existence of life. They, they just kind of numb it with activity, with media, whatever the case may be. What do you do when your dream dies? We're going to look at now the first verse of chapter 16. And in there, God is going to talk to Samuel and give him three keys of what's next, what's to do. And I think it's three keys that are vital for us. I'm reading out the New American Standard. Here it says this. Now the Lord said to Samuel, how long will you grieve or mourn over Saul since I have rejected him from being king over Israel? Fill your horn with oil and go. I will send you to Jesse the Bethlehemite for I have selected a king for myself among his sons. There's a lot of power in that one verse. So again, what are we asking? We're asking, what do you do when your dream dies? You have a dream, you have a vision. There's something that was so important to you and it, it's gone. What do you do? There's three keys. So if you have notes, let me encourage you to take them out. Here's the first thing that God tells Samuel. He says, get up. <laughs> Say that with me. Get, get up. up. He says this, how long are you going to grieve? How long are you going to mourn for Saul since I've rejected him from being king over Israel? You know, we, we mourn when we have loss in our life. We maybe mourn for broken relationships. We, uh, we think of what could have been or what should have been. And maybe, God, will you replace him or her or the, the plan that, that we have kind of thing. We, we start to think, what did I do wrong? Or what could have I done differently? Make sense? Mourning is natural. Grieving is natural when there's loss. That's absolutely natural. But, but there comes a point where God says to us as his children, and I think he says with a smile, says, child, how long are you going to grieve? <laughs> how long are you going to mourn? You need to get up. You need to get up. Now, there, there's a line that we'll repeat kind of throughout this here, and I think it's a great line. It simply says this, if you're not dead, then God's not done. Greater things are still to come. I believe in that. And he says, get up. Get up, fill your horn with oil, and then go. There's someone else for you to anoint. Now, when we talk about getting up, it doesn't mean just abandoning people or relationships or, or uh, things that we're doing. They're just walking out because it got tough. Okay, you know what I'm saying? Because sometimes when the going gets tough, the tough get going kind of thing. But sometimes when the going gets tough, people just walk away mm -hmm. from things. So it doesn't mean that at all because sometimes obedience is just hanging in there yeah. over a period of time. But in this situation... God is telling Samuel to get up and, and, and go because God's already gotten up and gone. That's right. God has already moved on. It's interesting. Even though Samuel had stopped seeing Saul, his emotions hadn't. 
his emotions were still there all the time. It, in other versions that you read, it says, he grieved always, mourned always for him. It's almost like his, his thoughts and, and energies were stuck in mourning, and because of that, he couldn't move on to a dream that was ahead of him in that way. You know, I, I, I believe this, that there's very few people I've met in my life that I think have failed as much as I have. Now, I, I say it because I've set a lot of goals in my life, always have. And when you set a lot of goals, how many you know that you fail at a lot of goals? <laughs> Does that make sense? And in fact, one of the things that I know about myself that I always have to guard myself against is regret. Because it's a rabbit hole I can go down because, oh man, if I, I, I just blew that. I mean, you don't say, it, it's just where sometimes it goes. And I remember some years back, there, there was a dream that I, that I had had for so long and I'd worked so hard for it and I'd expended so much energy and sacrificed so much for it and I realized it was gone. And it, it, would, it would never come back. And I'll tell you, I, I mourned over that for months. And God had actually bring me to this passage and, and really talked my spirit and said, Reed, how long are you going to mourn this? Get up, kind of thing. And God had already moved on to something else. I hadn't. Uh, how about you? Is there something that you've lost that you keep mourning over? Could it be the fact that uh, you had a major defeat in your life? Uh, Joshua did. Remember the story that Israelites were supposed to move into the promised land? Man, they're going to take it, took Jericho, boom, second city, this little town of Ai. Okay, Ai, literally saw it said. And they were defeated, and it paralyzes Joshua. I mean, paralyzes him. He, he mourns over it. Here's what God said to Joshua, Joshua 7. But the Lord said to Joshua, get up. Why are you lying on your face like this? Interesting. Maybe you've had a major failure in your life. Uh, Jonah did. Remember where God told him to go? Which no. city? Nineveh. 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 Supposed to go to Nineveh? Disobeyed? Okay, so a tiny little fish called a whale swallowed him. <laughs> okay, he'll go through the whole start for three days. Boom, comes out. God comes back to him a second time. And here's what it says in Jonah 3. Get up and go to the great city of Nineveh and deliver the message I have given you. Can we agree that life is hard? and that you're gonna get knocked down. Remember the, the story of the football coach who talked to his main recruiter and says, man, we need to get better players. And the recruiter said, okay, what kind of players do you need, coach? He said, well, you know, the player that when he gets knocked down, he just stays down? We don't want that player. The guy says, absolutely. He says, the coach says, but you know, the kind of player that when you get knocked down, he gets back up, he gets knocked down again, and then he stays down? He says, no, we don't want that player either. He says. Well, the, so the recruiter says, so you want the player coach that, man, he gets knocked out, keeps getting back up, knocked down, getting back up, knocked down, getting back up. And the coach goes, no, we don't want that guy either. Recruiter goes, oh, what do you want? He says, find me the guy that keeps knocking all these players over. <laughs> <laughs> and that's part of life. You know, maybe you've been knocked down in life, physical or emotional, and you don't even know how to get up. Okay, let, let me give you three practical things, and we'll talk about it. Three practical things in what it means to get up. First of all, you... You have to learn how to forgive and forget the past. Now, did you see the order that I put it? No. You have to forgive it first. Now, maybe you have to forgive yourself. You have to forgive others, whatever the case may be. But you have to forgive the past and then be able to forget the past. Now, when I say forget the past, here's what, I, what I'm saying is this. Remember the lesson, but forget the experience. Mm. You want to remember the lesson you've learned, 
but forget the experience. What do most people do? Remember the experience. They do the opposite. They, they get historical. And sometimes you mean hysterical? No, they get historical <laughs> on it because they remember all the pain, all the hurt, all the mourning, all the grief, and they don't ever learn. No, 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 no. Forgive the past, move on for it, and sometimes you have to forget the experience, but now what was the lesson? It's a key thing in that. In fact, here's how, how Paul said in Philippians 3, brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet having taken hold of it, but the one thing I do, the, the one thing, forgetting what is behind and straining to what is ahead, I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. So you have to learn how to forgive and forget the past. Here's another practical way of what it means to get up. Remember that what you have left is greater than what you've lost. In fact, repeat this after me. What I have left, what I have is, left greater is greater than what I've lost. When most people have loss in their life, what do they focus on? The loss. What you have left is always greater when you know Jesus than what you've lost. Always is the case. And, and so what happens so many times people dwell on what they don't have or what they've lost instead of what they do have, what they have left kind of thing. So for example, maybe the dream, uh, in fact, let's make, it very, let's make it very practical, okay? Tony, a real individual, had a dream of, of being a musician, loved to sing, and he, oh, his dream was to play guitar and sing. Wanted to play the guitar and sing. That was his dream. Okay, so what's the big deal? Uh, he, there's a couple of things you need if you want to play guitar. One's a guitar. Would be a couple of things you maybe need if you want to play guitar? Hands. Probably some hands. Problem, Tony was born with no arms. Hmm. What do you dream not just when you're, what do you when your dream's dead, but it's not even feasible? What, what do you? You look at what you have left. So Tony looked at his body and went, well, what would I have left? I have feet. And if you ever want to see something just fabulous on YouTube, Tony Melendez. Unbelievable. Unbelievable musician, guitarist with his toes. And you'll see that he even played for the Pope in front of an audience with the Pope. Amazing, because he focused on what he had left, not what he had lost. Do you realize how much capacity you know I have? Think about this, okay? I, this is amazing to me. Both President Thomas Jefferson and President James Garfield could write Latin with their right hand while writing Greek with their left hand at the same time. That's crazy. That, that's, that's the capacity we have. Our brain, think about this, your brain has an incredible 1,000 billion neurons, each of them connected to as many of eight neighboring neurons. That's more capacity than the entire World Wide Web put together in your brain. That's how much you have left. That's your capacity. What you have left is always more than what you've lost. But here's the third thing that you have to remember, practical way to get up. You're not dead. How's that for a good thought? You're not dead. How many of you woke up this morning? Yep. Good, good. That says your life. Here's one of my favorite verses. One of my favorite verses in the Bible. Ecclesiastes 9.4. Catch this one. Anyone who is among the living has hope. Even a live dog is better than a dead lion. Mm. Mm. I love that one. Billy Graham, lion. He's dead. Abraham Lincoln is a lion. He's dead. Winston Churchill is a lion. Dead. You know what y'all are? You're alive. Doesn't matter. A live dog's better than a dead lion. I say, man, I'm just a dog. You're, you're better than a dead lion. You are 
alive. You woke up this morning. So repeat after me. If I'm not dead, I'm not dead. then God's not done. Greater things are still to come. First thing is you got to get up. Talk to me. What's going through your mind when you talk, when you think about when a dream's dead, the power of needing to get up? To me, that, that um, line that you said that what I have left is greater than what I, ha what I have lost. And so many times we dwell and focus on what we've lost and we miss what God has given us and what we have. And I believe that the devil wants to keep us trapped in that of mourning and dwelling on what we've lost because then we don't realize what God has given us. Yeah, and that just really spoke out to me because I can, I've seen myself on that before where I focus or dwell too much on what I lost, but don't see what God is, what I have and what God still has given me. So that, that to me is really, it's powerful. Being stuck in mourning, it's, it's hard to get up. It's hard to get beyond that. And when I, when I think of get up, I think of just get up and get dressed. And then next, brush your teeth or whatever comes next. Take Sometimes, a shower. Take a shower, right? It's, that's, to me, get up. I mean, it's just doing what comes next. And then eventually, you've moved beyond that, and you can see what God has for you, but it's just moving. How I became a Christian. I was stuck. Stuck deeply in the past. And it consumed me until one day, God knocked me down and said, now get up. Now's the time to move. You have far greater things ahead. So today I get to have lunch with a man that um, we had some turmoil in life. And after many, many years, almost 40, we get to speak together. A great lunch. And he was talking about, um, yeah, God's not done with you yet. Like how amazing it is that, you know, maybe you got 20 years, maybe you got 40 years, but people are going to hear a message. Mm. Hallelujah. Mm. We got time. Yeah, with regards to getting up, um, I see it more like the first, the, the, the first step you need to take with regards to doing anything else. So sometimes when we have had a bad experience, just like Jonathan said, it's easy to kind of like dwell on all the bad things that occurred during that experience. But sometimes you also have to realize that when you have had a bad experience and maybe someone leaves your life or um, you didn't succeed in something you're trying to do, it's God also trying to teach you something as well. And if you don't come to that realization of the fact that there's something I should have learned from this, then you would get up and go to make those mistakes again. But in getting up, you have to realize that, okay, God, what exactly have you what, what did you want me to learn from this experience so that as I'm getting up, I'm knowing that I'm going in the right direction that you want me to go. Yeah, Proverbs 24, 15 comes to mind where it says the righteous man falls seven times, but he gets up again. And that, you know, the fools or, or the wicked, uh, they're taken down by the calamity that they face. And speaking of Joshua, I, I always love the beginning of, you know, Joshua where you know, God leads, my servant Moses is dead. Yeah. Now move forward, cross the Jordan. Anything your foot touches, you will have. And I just think that's, that goes right along with what you're saying of we've got to get up, we've got to move forward um, because he's not done. So what do you do when your dream is dead? You get up. It's the first thing. You've got to get up. But now there's the second thing he says right behind it. 
you got to get going. Not just get up, but you got to get going. He says, fill your horn with oil and get going. Now, for those who don't understand what that means, in, in those days, God used oil to anoint. Okay, it meant that, that he was going to pour oil on this person to select this person for a major responsibility, a prophet, a priest, a king. It could be either of those. And so the horn was a held out ram's horn that would hold the oil. And so God is going to select a new king, and he needs Samuel to go now, find this guy, and anoint him kind of thing. Let me ask you, have any of you ever failed at anything or lost someone? How many think in the rest of your life you're going to fail at something or lose someone. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely the case. And, and grieving is, is real here because Samuel is grieving a loss. He, he lost Saul. Because Saul and he were very close. But you know that, but he lost the dream of what Saul was to be. Saul had a failure. And, he, and Samuel grieved for Saul's failure. If, though you have children, when your child has a failure, you grieve for that child's failure, you know what I'm saying? But then he also grieved for Israel as a nation because, because there was great hopes and dreams of what Saul could be as a king for this nation. But then he also grieved for himself because as we said, he, it was like he was a dad because Samuel actually had two sons. They weren't good, not at all. And so he's actually kind of, if you want to say, he's potentially adopted Saul as I can redeem myself on this one. So there's a, a personal failure here. What did I do wrong? Where, where did I go wrong you know, on this? And that's, that's all part of it kind of thing. And because that, his horn is empty. He doesn't have anything. And God says, no, go fill your horn with oil. Fill it up with oil. If I asked, I said, you know, what's in your horn today? If most people have gone through a mourning or grief, their horn is not filled with oil. It's filled with defeat, despair, discouragement, all those kinds of things. And you, and you start to believe that you're a victim and that potentially this is who you are than that you haven't, it's not that you failed, that you are a failure. And that's what you, you believe kind of thing. Um, I, what I believe is this, is that what God has to teach us today is that when you're feeling that way, get up, but now get going, fill your horn with oil. Um, well, I, I have favorite movies that I just kind of hold on to that are kind of mine that if I ever a little discouraged, I'll pull it out and read, you know, not listen to maybe five minutes of kind of clip. So one of those is Rudy, 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 Rudy. Okay, that's how a few things. But one of those, one of mine though, is actually one of the Rocky movies. I think it's Rocky like 37, okay, when he's in a wheelchair in a nursing home beating on some people. I know what it is. But no, actually, I know which one it is. It's Rocky Balboa, okay, his last one. And the reason I like it is because there's a short snippet in the middle of it when he has this dream now that he's gonna fight one more time. And his son, who's in his mid-20s, comes in and says, don't do it. I'm asking you, don't do it. You're gonna get hurt, I'm gonna get hurt. I, 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 don't want, I don't want this to happen. And, if, and I love Rocky's response to it. When you think of the context of what we're talking about, listen to it, he says this. He's talking to his son, he says, you know, you grew up wonderful, and somewhere along the line you stopped being you. You let people stick a finger in your face and tell you that you're no good. And when things got hard, you started looking for someone to blame. Let me tell you something you already know. The world ain't all sunshine and rainbows. It's a mean and nasty place. And I don't care how tough you are. It'll beat you to your knees and keep you there permanently if you let it. Yeah. You, me, nobody's going to hit as hard as life. It ain't about how hard you're hit. 
It's about how hard you can get hit and keep going. How much you can take and keep moving forward. That's how winning is done. Then he finishes off with this thought. If you know what you're worth, go out and get what you're worth. But you got to be willing to take the hits and not point fingers saying you're not where you want to be because of him or her or anybody else. Cowards do that and that ain't you. You're better than that. I think there's a lot of Samuel conversation with God in that. You got to fill your horn with oil and get going. Let's talk some practical things. How do you fill your horn with oil? How do you fill up your spirit? Okay, we talked about, you know, sometimes you just got to get up, get out of bed, okay? How do you fill your spirit again? How do you fill your heart with oil? Here's a couple practical things, and it's all revolving a couple things of boring daily habits. (laughs) We talked about that a couple weeks ago. Boring daily habits. Here's, Here's three boring daily habits that will fill your horn with oil. Number one. It starts with your personal time with God. Every day, filling your heart, your spirit, your mind with God's word. Not listening to a podcast of somebody talking about God, but it's you spending time with God. Someone said it this way, you can either bring your pain to Jesus or you can become a cynical negative person. Because that's what's going to happen in life. Every day, personal time with God. Here's the second thing, though. Write your dreams and goals on paper and look at them every day. Write your goals and dreams on paper. Look at them every day. You know, my life changed some years back when I was challenged at a conference by a speaker who said this, and this is how he said it. He said, I want to challenge you to something, especially to the men, but to all of you, he says, but it'll only be to the people that have the guts to do it. And you know, when he said that, I went, hmm. And then he repeated himself and he said, some of you won't do it. In fact, a lot of you won't do it because you don't got the guts to do it. Well, at that point, I took my belt and just, okay, <laughs> come on, what, what is this? And his challenge was to take a plain piece of paper and write down 100 dreams and goals that you would love to achieve in your life before God takes you. Your bucket list. He said this way, what are the 100 things that you'd love to do, go, see, have, experience, help, become before your life is done? Well, let me say this. If you've never done that, I challenge you if you got the guts to do it, <laughs> to write it down and read every day. Now, it is hard. If some of you have done that, okay? If not, I challenge you to, to do that. It took a little while to do it because my mind was so limited in my thinking. Now, a child, they, they can think of anything. But as you have some maybe failures, mourning, grieving, it becomes very limited in your mind. No, open up your mind and start to look at it every day. I heard this phrase from Dr. Wayne Dreyer. He says this, if we change the way we look at things, the things we look at change. That's a good statement. If we change the way we look at things, the things we look at change. So write them down on a piece of paper, but then look at them all the time. I have a notebook in my car that every time I go working out, I open up my notebook and it's all my list of goals and dreams that I put down. Affirmation statements, things that God says about me, what his word says about me, and I read it through. Then on my cell phone, I actually have three things in my notes that I look at every day. I look at these every day. First of all, my goals for 2021. Yes, 21. Already I'm head to where I want to be and the goals I have for 2021. The second thing is my goals for the next six years. Then the third was the goals for my entire life. Yet, And I look at them all the time to fill my horn with oil. So I get up in the morning, first thing I do, I open up God's word, fill my heart with God's word. But then I fill my mind with what are the possibilities of life in doing that? 
It's interesting, Norman Vincent Peale is in heaven with God, but for a number of years, he was a great pastor at a church in New York City, also a great author, a, a speaker, just, just a tremendous individual. One of my mentors in life had the honor of hosting him when Norman Vincent Peale spoke at a conference. And at that point, Norman Vincent Peale was 90 years old when he spoke. I think that's good. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And so he spoke, everything else. And then the, my mentor who was hosting him said, told he and his wife said, hey, would you like to go out for something and eat? And his wife said, oh, no, thank you. But uh, Ms. Dr. Peel would like to go back and he's working on a project right now and he'd like to work on it yet tonight. He said, oh, okay. And they said, well, in the morning, should we pick you up? Would you like to get up early and have breakfast? He said, no, he said, he's probably still gonna be working on part of the project. And, and my friend said, oh, is he working on a book? He said, no, he's working on his goals for the next 10 years of his life. <laughs> now, remember how old he was? Nine. How many nine-year-olds have goals for the next 10 years? <laughs> Number one goal, breathe, okay? <laughs> but that, that's what it's important to be able to do that. So practically, how, how do you get a port of filling your home with oil? Okay, well, you write it down, but you look at all time. The third one is this, constantly work towards them. Constantly work towards them. Every day do something. He says, go. He didn't say sit here. He said, go, get going. Michael Phelps, you've heard that name? What's he known for? Swimming. Swimming. Olympics. The most decorated Olympian of all time. Think about this, 23 gold medals. Wow. Is that crazy? Yes. 23, three silvers and two bronze. Holy cow. You know, it's interesting though, before his first Olympics ever happened, talk about consistency, for five years, every day, early in the morning and the afternoon, he was in the pool. Every day, five years, he only missed three days in five years. Every holiday, every birthday, that's because he was sick three days, for five years. You might say, well, he was gifted. No, no, he had a dream, he looked at, and every day he worked on it. Does that make sense? And so that's what you have to do. So you have to get up, you have to get going. So repeat this after me. If I'm not dead, if I'm not dead then God's not, done. God's not done. Greater things are still to come. Greater things are still to come. Absolutely. So talk to me. What do you think about when we talk about, man, you got to get going? To me, it's, it's, those, and it's those habits. Um, you know, talked about, you call them those boring daily habits, but it's just creating those disciplines that what I'm doing now is going to benefit in the long run. I think we live in a, in a society where um, we want instant gratification. That what I do right now, I want it to pay, pay to do now. But man, just imagine if we do that and we, and we discipline ourselves daily, what God can do in and through that. So that's definitely a good challenge for me. Yeah, it's, it's one thing to pull all that uh, encouragement and all that uh, energy and uh, you know, guts to go on, and, and we're so accustomed in this day pulling it from our out from outside, from watching a video, from you know watching uh, you know a podcast or or listening to a motivational speaker, and so much of what God wants to do in you and through you is coming from in here, and it's spending time with Him to allow those words to go deep, and then those promises to come to life, uh, and what you're doing and how you're living every day. Yeah, the things that you just talked about, those three things that you highlighted just make me think about what um, Habakkuk said in Habakkuk 2 when he was saying that I will stand upon my watch, upon the tower and watch and listen to what God would have to say. And if we have a habit of having that fellowship with God 
every morning because Habakkuk says that I'll listen to what he has to say and I'll write it plain on tablets. Mm. So it goes just in line with the three things that you've talked about. And then if you're going to run, you have to now run with those things that you have written down. So it comes to having that constant fellowship with him, making it the first thing that you do when you wake up in the morning, acknowledging the fact that I cannot go unless you tell me where I'm going or unless you tell me what I'm supposed to do. And I would only be able to achieve those things if I've written it down and consistently dwell on those things. Because Joshua said that if you continuously dwell on God's word that, that he has given, and that's, that's when you're able to achieve good success. And that's what God wants us to achieve in every aspect of our life is mm-hmm. good success. And that's, that's the way we go to do that. As I'm reflecting on some of that, um, you know, that I'm still here and God's not done if I don't have these dreams and I don't have these things written out and I'm not putting time to them, what am I using my time to do? Not what he's called me to do. So what, what do you do when your dream is dead? What's the first thing you do? Get, get, get up. Yeah. What's the second thing you do? Get going. Get, get going. going. Okay. But now here's the third thing. You got to give out. Say that with me. Give you got to give out. There is someone else for you to anoint. It's not just getting up. It's not just get going, but in the direction of a specific purpose here to anoint somebody. If you turn into 1 Samuel 16, let's see how this plays out just a few verses later, okay? Because that's what he does, okay? Samuel gets up, he gets going, he finds Jesse, okay? Jesse has a lot of sons, and it's interesting because when it says when he entered the house of Jesse, he saw one of the sons and goes, well, that must be him. I love this. Look at verse 7. But the Lord said to Samuel, do not look at his appearance or the height of his stature because I have rejected him. For God does not see as man sees, for man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Is that good? Then it goes on. Then Jesse called Abimadab. And of course, he wasn't the guy just because of his name. That's too hard to say. <laughs> you know, made him pass before Samuel. And he said, neither has the Lord chosen this one. Next, Jesse made Shammah pass by. And he said, neither has the Lord chosen this one. Thus, Jesse made seven of his sons pass before Samuel. But Samuel said to Jesse, the Lord hasn't chosen any of these. Then verse 11. And Samuel said to Jesse, are these all your children? He said, well, there's yet one that's the youngest. And behold, he's tending the sheep. Then Samuel said to Jesse, go bring him, for we will not sit down until he comes here. So he sent and brought him in. Now he was ruddy with beautiful eyes and a handsome appearance. And the Lord said, arise, anoint him. This is he. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers. And the spirit of the Lord came mightily upon David. I love that. You know, God had a new king for Samuel to anoint. King David was was to be a part of Samuel's future, but he couldn't get there holding on to the past. Mm. And so the situation is we had this young shepherd boy who couldn't get to his destiny because he had to be anointed by Samuel. And that's a key. So when God created Samuel, he actually had David in mind. Make sense? Mm. Mm. Question for us is this. What's the new thing that God has for you and I? Is there something old or, or cold that we're still giving our thoughts, energies, or attention to? Is there something we're still mourning about? Something we're still grieving about that is keeping us from being a part of something greater, somebody else's 
greater, because here's the reality, when God created you, he had somebody else in mind. You know, in, in COVID, the, the situation in COVID, I, I've seen so many people that what they want to do, they want to go back yeah. to normal, go back to where we are. But in doing that, they live in isolation. God says, no, 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 go forward and anoint somebody. In fact, repeat this after me. My past is dead. My past, My past is, is dead. dead. My present is temporary. My present is temporary. My purpose is what matters. My purpose is what matters. And what's your purpose? Your purpose is to anoint someone, to bless someone else, pour yourself into somebody else's life. You might think, well, man, I'm just, I'm just way too old, way too old. Well, you're never too old. It reminds me of the story of an 80-year-old man who went into the doctor. And the doctor said, man, you're in great health. Holy cow, I, I mean, that's just amazing health. He said, you work out a lot? He said, well, I golf every day. He said, well, that's good. He said, you eat right good? He said, well, there must be something genetic, though. How old was your dad when he passed away? And the guy said, who said my dad's dead? Your dad's still alive? He said, yeah, how old? He said, 100 years old. He said, 100? He said, yeah. He said, he golfs with me every day. He says, whoa, that's crazy. So that, that proves it. He says, question, how old was your grandfather when he died? The guy said, well, who said my grandpa's dead? Your grandpa's alive? How old is he? He said, 118. Doctor goes, I suppose you're going to say he, he went golfing with you today. Said he couldn't. He got married today. <laughs> I said, what? He said, why in the world would a guy who's 118 want to get married? The guy said, who said he wanted to? <laughs> the reality is that you might think you're too old. No, you're never told. If, if you're at a spot where you think, man, I'm, I'm, I'm 65 or 70, I'm going to retire. No, don't retire. Refire. Think about this. If you're 70 years old, 70 years old, should you have 10 years more wisdom than you did at 60? Yes. Mm-hmm. You should. Share that with somebody. Yeah. Give it to somebody. Anoint and disciple somebody else. You know, maybe, you, maybe you've lost something. For example, maybe you lost a child. I don't know what that's like. I can't even begin to understand the grieving. But here's, I believe, what God says. You have to get up. You have to get going and anoint another child. Mm. Well, maybe you've, maybe you've lost a mom or a dad, or to be honest, you never had a mom and dad in your life that were a parent to you. Then get up, get going, and be a child to a parent who's lost a child. Do it that way. Maybe you made a mistake when you were a teen or a young adult that you still mourn over. You mourn over, oh, I can't believe that. No, get up, get going, and now anoint a teenager and be a part of our youth ministry and anoint them and bless them and pour yourself into somebody. Give yourself away. Joshua was who he was because Moses anointed him and blessed him and poured himself into him. Elisha was who he was because Elijah poured himself into him. See, what's your purpose? Your purpose is to go anoint somebody. Bless him, pour yourself into that. And when that happens, what you'll get back? Well, God promises, Luke 6, give and you will receive. Your gift will return to you in full, pressed down, shaken together to make room for more, running over and poured out in your lap. The amount you give will determine the amount you get back. We always say this, the secret to living is giving. giving. It always is. That's why as a, as a church, we're saying now, whatever, wherever you're at, whether it's online, obviously live, whatever, doesn't matter. Be a part of what we're doing right now in the, in the aspect of blessings, blessing people with blankets, through our Union Gospel Mission, the Center of Hope, and then our Coats for Kids drive with Terry Redland to provide coats, mittens, hats for kids and families of Terry Redland. Man, be a part of that with us. The secret of living is 
giving. That's why as a church, we gave $50,000 to Peace Island in Liberia so they could have water and they could have restrooms. That's a way to bless them yeah, indeed. That's awesome. So what do you do when your dream dies? You get up, you get going, and you give out. Let me tell you one more story. A story of a man named Bucky. 1927, Bucky's life was in shambles. He was 32 years old, unemployed, bankrupt. His reputation was shot and his first child had died. They had another newborn, and so they had someone else to share in this misery. He struggled to pay the bills, buy food for the family, maintain some semblance of dignity as a jobless, penniless nobody. And that winter, as he wandered the streets of Chicago, he got to the shores of Lake Michigan, and he thought about, this is not worth living. He thought about throwing himself in. And as he was thinking that, another thought came in his mind, and it was very clear. The thought was this, you don't have the right to eliminate yourself, you don't belong to you, you belong to me. He heard that in his spirit. At that moment, Bucky decided that he would have an attitude of abundance and he promised God right there he would devote the rest of his life, not to earning a living, but to living in a way that would be able to bless as many people as possible. And here's what he told God, think about this, his agreement with God, that he would take whatever money he had left over in his bank account at the end of the month, whatever the bank account showed at the end of the month, he would give it away. Think about that. He'd give it away to somebody in need. He said that's what he would do, that he'd be a funnel, not a bucket. The money was to pass through him, not to him. Catch this. Over the next 54 years, Bucky was awarded 25 patents, wrote 28 books, received 47 honorary doctorate degrees, received the Presidential Medal of Freedom, which was one of the highest medals that any citizen can have, circled the globe dozens of times, lectured to millions of people, and had more than $30 million passed through him to bless other people. In 2004, 21 years after his death, the U.S. Postal Service honored Bucky. His name is R. Buckminster Fuller, one of the world's premier architects, by issuing a commemorative postal stamp bearing his image. Here's one of his phrases. We are called to be architects of the future, not its victims. Think about that. See, what are you going to think about? What are you going to dwell on? I, Pastor Keith has a daily lifter that is available on our app. This was the one from Monday, and he said this. One of my heroes is Walt Disney. I love his leadership lessons and challenges. One of his great lessons of life is to live the adventure. Too often, we speak of how much we love life, but we fail to live it. It's a good word. God's purpose is that we would be a light to the world and we have the privilege every day to live his love and be his light before people. Make it count. I've heard it say yesterday is history, tomorrow is a mystery, today is a gift. That's why they call it the present. So what do you do when your dream dies? You get, get up. up, you get, get going, going, and you give get out. out. Absolutely. What's going through your mind? I think about that getting up. Um, all three of those in, in succession as, you know, I have a purpose in life. But prior to that purpose, as I mentioned before, I was stuck in the rut. I couldn't forgive. I couldn't forget. I have to admit, I don't forget um, about the experience sometimes, even though I'd like to. But I spent 53 years doing that. So it's pretty in ingrained. But the cool thing is, is that through God, I can always focus it to the right spot. I think of Mount Hermon. I believe that's the highest point in Israel. And for 120 miles, that river, the Jordan, trickles down to 
the lowest point, which is the Dead Sea. So we have all this beauty coming to it and nothing going out. So I keep all this stuff in and I was dying, literally dying. Now I get to let it go. I get to anoint others. I get to spend my days sharing that Christ is the way and that that will heal us. And that brings an anointing on my life and gives my gift. So each day my cup gets overflowing. I think of um, when I give myself away, um, how many times I've delayed someone else's anointing by being stuck. And every time we have to consider that as a privilege. I, yeah. I always say that every time when we have to lead worship a lot of the time. And I, I don't consider leading worship or being a part of the worship team like, like something that's my right. I feel like every time we come into God's presence, every time we have the opportunity to be used by God, every time we have that time to spend with Him, it's a privilege. It's, it's, it's an honor that He has bestowed upon us for us to actually have that time with Him. Because as you, as you hear a lot of people say, there are a lot of people that are not here and they don't have that privilege they don't have that time with him. And sometimes when I, when I look in perspective to everything that you have said, I, I kind of like look at the things that are filled in and then I'm like, I have it better because there are people who have failed and the next thing they think about is take their lives and, mm. and they are no longer here. They don't have a second opportunity to to try out things. And, and so when you, when you have that privilege that God has given you to kind of like have that second chance at things that you feel that it is really an honor for you to take up the responsibility and say, I, I would get up, I would get mm -hmm. going and I would give out, I would, I would be that instrument that he can use to bless mm -hmm. others. I would be that instrument that he can use to, to touch another life. There was a, a huge tragedy last year um, and it's been really amazing to be a part of what God does in those moments when we do these three things. Um, when we get up and when we, you know, we, we get ready, we fill our, our horn with oil, um, and then we, we give out and we anoint. And uh, being able to experience um, uh, parents who've lost, and, and particularly a father who's lost, but who's really anointed, a lot of great young men, and uh, just honored to be a part of that and to witness that. Well, life is hard. It'll knock you to your knees. But what do you do when your dream dies? You get yeah. up. And we talked about what that means from the standpoint of you forgive and forget. Understand what you have left is way more than what you've lost. And you're not dead. No. <laughs> okay? You're not dead. So you get up. The next thing is you got to Get going every day. Man, fill your heart with God, but then fill your mind with vision yourself. Put your dreams down, look at it over and over, and do something every day towards it. But the last one is you give, up. give out, give out. What would happen if every day God's people would fill their horn with oil and every day give that oil away and anoint people every day? So at the end of the day, it's empty. But then in the morning, you fill it up again and you empty it all day. Fill it up and empty it every day because when God created you, He had somebody else in mind. Someone is praying for you right now to anoint them. 
They're waiting for that. So one last time, repeat after me. If I'm not dead, I'm not dead. dead. then God's not done. Then God's God's not done. done. Greater things are still to come. Greater things are still to come. Absolutely. Let me, let me pray for us. Father God, thank you for this incredible, encouraging word today. And God, forgive me for the, unfortunately, too many times that I have just wanted to lay down. And I've just wanted to stay there. And I, I played the victim part. And I allowed that to happen. God, I'm sorry. God, help us to be people who get up. But not just get up on our own willpower, but God, get up because of what you've done. Because God, when you went to the cross, they laid you in a tomb and I'm glad you got up. I'm glad you got up and you got going, man, and you went to heaven. And because of that, you gave it out, gave us the Holy Spirit that we could live that kind of life today. So God, help us to be those kinds of people. And then, Father God, as we fill our horn with oil, help us to get going and, and to look at all the people around us that need an anointing, an anointing of hope, an anointing of truth in their life, encouragement. God, and help us to be people that anoint somebody today and pour our lives into somebody to disciple others. And God, we thank you in advance what's going to happen because of that. We love you with all of our heart. We're grateful. We ask this in your name. Amen. Amen. Well, thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past messages. And if you like what you're hearing, consider rating it and even sharing it with your friends. It helps so much. You know, you can click the share button, take a screenshot and share it on your social stories and tag us at Celebrate Church. For more content from Celebrate and to connect with us, go to celebrate.church. We love you and we believe in you. God bless. God bless.